You on the pod with Claire, we gon' talk about our problems, our thoughts, and share ways we can just pause and more often care. And if you lost and scared, baby, pull up a chair. Kindness, caring, loving is the mission. As long as we all stick together, we can make a difference. I'm down with everybody, so I'm paying it forward. Only positivity, so I know you're enjoying it. Know the podcast about to start soon. Hope you like pop culture, 90s cartoons. Down with the locals, like who know better? Round like Slow Loco and Boo Boo Records here. Know the podcast about to start soon. Grab your wood stocks and you bang the drum room. Here we go, get ready to laugh. Put your headphones on, kick back and relax. Hi guys. Today's episode is brought to us by my friend Pat Connolly from St. Francis Landscape and Gardening. He got his degree here at Cal Poly, and he's been doing award-winning landscaping since 1979. I started a next-door community in Templeton, and when somebody, one of my neighbors asked who's a great landscaper in the area, I was happy to see that most all of them said St. Francis. Um, he did my parents' yard, the house that I grew up in, and before Pat worked on it, it had some really itchy, scratchy bushes surrounding the lawn. And he came in and made it really gorgeous. So sometimes you hear people say that people come to parties and gather in the kitchen, but in my parents' home, we gather in the backyard and unwind and visit. And it's really beautiful. It's got bamboo, pavings, grass, and we really love it. My dad's retired and he loves spending time in the yard. And my daughters like to run around and play hide and seek in the grass and it's safe and beautiful. And also, Pat is a water conservation specialist, so if you want to be kind to the earth and have a beautiful landscaping in your home or business area, give him a call and Google him at St. Francis Landscape and Gardening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pat, for sponsoring. Hi, guys. So my interview is with Dr. Rhonda Beeman, and she's a national thought leader for the American Health Network. She's been featured on major media outlets including USA Today, NBC, and CBS. And after my interview with Dr. Beeman, I read her memoir, which is called Little Miss Merit Badge. And in it, she says she put together this carnival with people from her community and kids in her neighborhood as a young girl when she was a Girl Scout. And it completely was a smashing success. And even though her parents weren't that proud of her, she was proud of herself. And this is what she says. I have moved from the self-centered goal of being the best no matter what the cost to bringing out the best in others, and it makes me feel like I am home. So in her memoir, she talks about her addiction to earning merit badges through the Girl Scouts and how it fills her soul with pride, and her parents were not as good as they could have been to her, and that was her challenge in her upbringing, trying to find her value and her worth and even though her parents didn't reflect that to her or many of her teachers. So in my interview with her, I talked to her about her nonprofit she has in San Luis Obispo. And I think this interview is really good for children of parents that are narcissistic or abusive and learning that you're not alone. And (laughs) many people of those abusive families grow up to be incredible people and you can be one of them learning that you're not alone and (laughs) many people of those abusive families grow up to be incredible people and you can be one of them. Um, Teachers, 
Dr. Beeman has this incredible ritual she does before she starts teaching her students. And about 10 minutes in, when she starts saying how she starts her quarter by looking at photos of her students and saying, you, I love. I love you. I love you. Um, I think this is an awesome inspiration for teachers of all ages. Um, parents, Dr. Beeman has um, and some incredible family celebrations that she has woven into the fabric of her daily life with her family. So parents wanting to make celebrations special to family, listen up. And then small business owners, especially San Luis Obispo, but wherever you are, get inspired, learn about how she's invited local business owners to participate in her lovely nonprofit and how it's been a win-win-win for the recipients of her gifts her organization and the business owners that are participating. Thank you so much, Dr. Beeman. I loved speaking with you and um, I know you guys will love her too. Okay, hi guys, hi fans of kindness. How's it going? I'm here with Dr. Beeman today. Hey, hey. Hey, thanks for joining us. Um, I came across you through your group, Dream Makers. Do you wanna talk to us about your career journey that led you to this point. Um, have you studied communications and nonprofits or did you come into Dream Makers a different way? Uh, well, I actually did uh, start in radio and television in um, after school, after college. And then I got my graduate degrees in mass communication and then leadership. But that was all in order to feed my family, and that was my job. So um, I think that there's a really cool book out right now by David Brooks called Second Mountain. And I think when you build your first mountain, that's your, that's your life. That's your, you know, you've got to put a roof over your head and food on the table, and you raise a family if you're lucky or if that's what you want to do. All that stuff takes a lot of mind share and heart share. And then when you've reached the, you know, pinnacle of that mountain, there's a second mountain. And again, if you're fortunate enough to live that long and, and have that opportunity, and the second mountain is, is a um, legacy and a, um, a contribution. And um, that's what really led me to be thinking about dream makers. And um, I had tried with a couple of other or organizations and friends and things like that to find, you know, where I could actually um, add some value and stuff. I think I'm the only person in history to be asked to leave as a volunteer for Special Olympics because I would get so moved. I would be like at the end of like races waiting for these people to finish and I'd be just crying my eyes out. You know, they'd be like, uh, Rhonda, that is not real motivational. <laughs> like, I can't help it. It's so amazing. So Special Olympics was not it. And then it just kept evolving. And then um, I went to the National Dream Foundation gala, you know, fundraiser in Santa Barbara. And they have a whole thing going worldwide. And I went with my girlfriend, Heather, and um, we watched that and just, I'm kind of a driver, I make things happen, but this, it was like given to me just as a, 
I knew exactly who to ask to help me do this. I knew exactly who would participate. I knew who would be on my board. I knew what doctor would help me. And I just thought, shame on me if I don't do it. Because it was just like, hey, here it is. You can make dreams come true for terminally ill adults in your community. You know, you, meaning me, have had so many of your dreams come true. And there's people whose lives... Um, they live their whole lives and never get to do simple things like take their kids to Disneyland or see a baseball game or have a nice dinner out with their family. And they end up with a terminal diagnosis and this lifelong dream that's been unheralded and unheeded. And that's where Dream Makers comes in. Your story of getting emotional at the event made me think of Oprah talking about her early days in journalism, how the stories in the news were too sad. She would get emotional and then, um, yeah, you use your gifts in a different way. But um, what year was this that you founded Dream Makers? We've been around now for two years, so mm -hmm. pretty new. And again, it's like eight of my best friends in the world. Um, wonderful people with big hearts. Excuse me. Um, Sorry about that. Um, it's probably somebody wanting to donate to Dream Makers. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, um, you know, it's been two years and so far we're, we're just now compiling a, a history book of the dreams that we've made true come, you know, come true so far. And we've done 17 dreams so far. Oh, how thrilling. I know, it's really something. And one of the things that we're really, really proud of is 100% of any monies that we raise go to the dreams. So like none of us take money to print anything or to run it or to, and what's the best is anybody that we ask to help us, no one in this community has ever said no, whether it's using somebody's private plane, whether it's getting a skybox at a, you know, game, whether it's meeting Blake Shelton. We had to work really hard on that one. That was a no at first, but we just don't take no for an answer. But everybody, you know, just steps up. And um, this community has just been extraordinary that way. Wonderful to hear. That's yeah. one of the reasons I started the podcast. I thought I had a website about kindness and I thought there's so many neat people in San Luis Obispo doing so many neat things. I have to start interviewing people and getting these neat stories into the world. <laughs> That's a great thing that you're doing, Claire. I mean, to um, my son was dating somebody that um, I just thought, what? You know, I just wasn't sure about her and everything like this. And so one day I asked him, I said, so, you know, what do you see in this young woman? He goes, she's very kind mother. And, and kindness goes a long way. And I was like, lesson learned, right? Oh, that's very attractive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so who were your kindness role models growing up? Or do you have kindness role models now? I heard you speak in your TED talk about how your husband was kind of like your guy. <laughs> yeah. And that, that makes me very fortunate. But um, also, you know what? I was a big time Girl Scout. I didn't get a lot of attention at home. And so um, being a born, you know, extrovert, I guess, I, I sought attention elsewhere and uh, school and scouts and things like that. And I just loved the idea 
about scouting and, and because it really is about helping others and, and participating, being part of a group that is doing something bigger than you could do alone and things like that. So that really started my journey. And um, I just, uh, I love, I, I can't paint. I don't know how to macrame. I don't dance. I don't do anything like that, but I just love, I, I like to feel like my canvas is human beings and I love human beings and I love being able to make their lives a little better in any way that I can. Um, I think that's, that, that's my calling and that's my art. And your hubby's on the same wavelength as you. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, and he's, uh, he's allowed me, um, and I, I, I know that sounds weird in this day and age, but, and I don't mean it like, yes, you may. I mean, he's given me the freedom of spirit and the self-confidence and the love and the starting point to accomplish, um, you know, just about everything I've ever accomplished, including raising good human beings. So um, I feel very, very fortunate that way. And like I said, most of my dreams have come true. And the least I can do is help other people make those dreams of theirs come true. <laughs> um, I saw that you had won a teaching award. What age kids do you teach? And can you talk about um, kindness in the classroom, in the lecture hall? Great question. I'm a university professor. So I teach people who are on the edge of their potential and possibility and promise. And um, I've done that for 30 years. And I love that age person, that that is just where it all begins to happen for you. So um, I feel very lucky to be able to be part of that. And um, I think that, you know, there, I think it's one of the last great jobs on earth to be a college professor. And there's so much um, that goes with that as far as your impact on a young person's life and what they believe their virtue is, their integrity, um, what they, you know, how they use their talents. And I think the classroom should be a place of love and a place of kindness. I mean, I, I look at the pictures of my students before I ever go into the classroom. You know, they give you these um, sheets on uh, your students before you go in and I look at each, person one by one and just think to myself you I love <laughs> this person I love and I might not like them all the time there might be days I don't like them but I don't think you can teach someone and inspire someone and help someone discover their own greatness if there's not a lot of love and kindness um, that is you know not unsaid and but and really felt if that makes sense um, I think if you asked any of my students, um, they know that I really, really care about them and what I'm doing and what we're doing. And I never come unprepared. I never um, take it for granted. And I'm their role model for what an educated, you know, full grown adult in the world is going to be like. And I take that very seriously. It's what a, what a privilege and honor. And, and, you know, you better be kind and you better be prepared and you better, you know, be large and believe the world is a good place. 
so that they can see that that is possible. You don't have to grow up to be like those 45 year old people you see at the airports that are just dragging and like, oh, it's like another day, another client, another job, another, yeah, why would you want to live your life that way? So um, I think kindness and love is mandatory in the classroom. Oh, that's amazing. I've never heard that. Um, I hope a lot of teachers out there listening will get inspired to do your I love you to your class roster list. (laughs) Um, So I heard from, actually, I read that a professor said one thing that kids don't do that they should be doing is go to teacher hours. And many of her students never check in and they should actually stop and check in and use those hours. Yeah, but you know what? It's a two-way sword, right? Because a lot of times teachers have uh, office hours from like five in the morning till seven in the morning and they keep paper across their window and their door shut. Who would go do that? Who, why would you go do that? Right? I've had teachers do that. Yeah. It's got to work both ways. Yeah. Go see your prof, your teachers, all that kind of stuff. But hey, teachers, why are you there? You know, you're not teaching English. You're not teaching history. You're not teaching aerospace. You're teaching students. And, you know, you need to be accessible to them and open yourself to them and reconsider what the whole point of your job is. So (laughs) don't get me started. (laughs) Let's talk about, can you, can I ask you about the Pay It Forward Foundation? Yeah. Um, Tell me about that. When I first moved here, um, I was teaching a class um, in, in, at Cal Poly, and I wanted to interview, we, we were gonna do a speech in, I was teaching public speaking, and I wanted to do a speech in where I would take my combined classes, so we had about 60, 70 kids between the two classes I was teaching, and everybody was gonna speak for five minutes, on a topic important to them. We were gonna do it in the outside in the union with microphones and everything, and they were gonna raise money. And we were gonna use that money to help. Um, At this point, there was a tsunami and there were survivors and they needed um, blankets and money and stuff like that. So we were gonna do it it for the tsunami survivors. And um, I got the harebrained idea once I found out that the author of Pay It Forward lived in Cambria. I was like, what if she came to this, you know, and told everybody, you guys are paying it forward. So um, I, you know, here's the thing, just ask people, don't be afraid, just get out there. And the worst that can happen is someone says no, and you're no worse off than when you started. So I found her, I emailed her, told her what I was up to, and she said that she's very shy and introverted and really did not want to come to campus. And I said, so I I wrote back, okay, well, what if I came to interview you and we got a little video and I could show it at the speech in? She goes, okay, I would do that. So that's what we did. We went up there and videotaped her and we started talking and she was saying she was forming this new foundation and pay it forward. And I said, well, if there's any way I can help. And she goes, how about be on the board of directors? Okay, done. (laughs) So that's how that all started. Oh, neat. Yeah. Um, The video that I watched you speak in, you talked about how people walk around with a burden of unused gifts in life. 
do you feel like people have opportunities to be kind that they're not seizing and that they would would be best to be intentional about using kindness as much as possible so they don't have I think that you can't give what you don't have and I think probably a lot of people were not raised with kindness and we're not treated with kindness and we're not given kindness or examples of kindness and you know all that stuff I mean research shows that when people see a handicapped person on the street they look away you know it's like gee I don't want to look them in the eye you know these are human beings and um can you remember, Claire, any time talking about kindness in school? Well, I did go to Catholic school, and so we had certain days that were focused on field trips, going to sit with elderly people and stuff like that. Um, but it was kind of abstract pretty, pretty much in the day-to-day. -day. I was like something you were like, you have to do this. It's the holidays you know, go, go sing at this home or whatever. Yeah. That's better than nothing. But I think there's no curriculum for kindness. I certainly haven't ever run across it. Um, my sons all through grade school and high school never came home and went, we're doing a kindness project, you know? Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of untapped, but here's also what I believe. And I bet you share the same belief that we would be long gone as a species if there weren't more, wonderful things happening in the world and kind things happening in the world than there are bad things. We just hear about the bad. But I think there's an awful lot of kindness in this world and um, we just don't hear about it. And people get a little shy to, you know, step up and share it because it's hard when you try to do something kind and you're rebuffed or, you know, people are suspicious because they're not used to it or whatever to just keep coming back and doing, you know, kind deeds, I, I think is hard for most people. So, um, yeah, I think for sure there's a lot of untapped kindness in most of us, you know. <laughs> Hopefully these talks about little doable acts that people go, oh yeah, it's actually doable and it's not going to cost a ton of money and I can do this thing. Um, I saw that you had won an award from USA Today, <coughs> excuse me, America's creative family. Do you um, have any rituals in your family that you like to do that are special for you guys? Well, uh, the way that we won the award was um, we do did a foreign dinner once a month because I didn't have the money um, to travel. So we would travel within our living room and pick a country and the kids had to create the music and the placemats and the art and stuff like that. We had to dress in costume of the country without spending any money. You had to just go to your closet and come out and look like you think people look like in Brazil or wherever, you know? <laughs> so it was really, really fun. So we did that, but um, we, we now have, um, we just built a barn that's like our office and, media center and everything like that. We built a stage where our children and grandchildren, we don't want presents. We want people to create stuff. So they have to write songs or poems or do little skits up on the skit stage and stuff like that as gifts to each other. Um, and I think it's really important to have that be okay to, you know, really let your 
um, silliness and specialness and creativity and, you know, feel safe being vulnerable in front of people and all that kind of stuff. I think that's really important and it's really fun. So um, yeah, we do that kind of stuff all the time. Oh, hashtag family goals. Yeah. I love that you're a global <laughs> citizens and that you encourage that. Um, I think sometimes Americans can be xenophobic whether they realize it or not. So I think it's really neat to celebrate other cultures and Definitely, definitely. I've written a, a letter to my dad for Christmas the past decade because that's what he requests for his Christmas present. So I try and make it at least like Great. five or ten pages and make it worth his while if that's all he wants. Oh, girl, that is so cool. <laughs> I, bet, I bet he keeps every single one in a very special place. And when he needs them, he goes and reads them and makes him feel better about everything. That's so, so wonderful. Kudos to you on that. <laughs> Ditto. Um, so you've created the nonprofit Dream Makers. What was the most challenging part about creating the nonprofit? Was it like actually doing it or was something, did you have challenges? How well, sure, you know, um, but again, everybody from, our accountant who just said, well, I'll file the paperwork for free on through to, you know, everybody in this community. Um, everybody's been really, really wonderful. Did you know, by the way, that San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara have the most nonprofits per, you know, capita of any place in the United States. They're one and two respectively. Santa Barbara, number one, San Luis Obispo, number two. And I think it's because I was trying to figure out why. And I think it's because everybody feels so fortunate to live in those communities that I used to tell my kids this all the time to where they'd like, mother, but of whom much is given, much is asked, you know? And I think that people in these communities, wow, look where we live and all that kind of stuff. The least we could do is step up and help, you know? So. It's been really amazing um, how how much help we've been given and, and continue to be given. And um, my board, I cannot tell you, these eight people, they get it done. They are movers and shakers in the community. And, um, you know, anything that needs to happen, they make sure it does. And they make sure it happens, you know, 100% and without fail, it's the best you could make it. So... It's been really, really rewarding that way. Um, the hardest thing really is to make somebody's dream come true. And, and then, you know, that's the end of our relationship with them. You know, we, we, we swoop in, we make this dream come true. What's really cool about Dream Makers is it gives the dreamer, you know, something to think about besides their diagnosis. It gives them something to look forward to and do. And then when it's their time um, and this part of their journey is over, it's really what they remember that a bunch of, you know, strangers got together and worked so hard on their behalf to make their lifetime dream come true. So they can pass knowing that the world is a really kind and good place. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, so it's very hard because we know we're going to lose the dreamer. You know, um, you have to have a diagnosis of one year or less um, 
to apply for a dream. And I think that's the hardest part, you know. Um, but boy, it's, it, it doesn't negate the value and importance of doing it. I saw, I believe it was on your Facebook page, you had a flyer of the fundraisers going on in town and it was like every day for a week, different local restaurant was lined up to donate a portion towards Dream Makers and it was like really neat. So if people wanna support you um, in that specific way, they can follow you on social media and see where the next events coming up are. And if you, are a small business owner and you want to offer your proceeds to be donated to your dream makers, you could get in touch with dream makers and contribute that way. You bet. Um, what else? I like to ask my guests, do you have a certain memory of sitting down and writing a thank you note to somebody or receiving a handwritten thank you that really took you aback? Um, I, again, I have the best job on the planet and I have a box full of notes and cards from students and I keep them. And before I start a new school year, I read them and remember what I do and what I have the privilege of doing. And then if I'm sick or I'm feeling bad or something happens in the world that's, you know, makes you go, geez, what is wrong with people? And I go read those notes and go, nothing, you know. It's that thing we talked about. One bad apple doesn't mean the whole planet is bad. So, um, yeah, thank you notes. In fact, that's one of the first things I tell my students is they're all business students. I teach at the business college. I tell them, go buy yourself a box of thank you notes and get in the habit of writing them. Write one a day, you know, for people that you're working with, people who, uh, I said, how do you ever written a thank you note to a professor that said, you did a good job today. I never knew I was interested in geology until you started talking. I said, you'll blow their freaking minds. <laughs> and, um, and you know this because of what you're doing and all the good work you're doing with your kindness project. The person doing it gets so much more out of it than even the recipient. You know, that's, that's how that works. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say that those are the thank you notes that kind of have rocked my world and continue to. I, I get, I feel very lucky and blessed to receive those. So. And I got to tell you, we did one dream for, so get this, Claire. Ray and Aaron were friends 20 years ago. They met as, um, you know, employees at a place and, and worked together for 20 years. They now have terminal cancer together at the same time different diagnoses, but they got, di you know, same, same thing. And they wanted to go to a football game where uh, Seattle versus San Francisco, because one of them was a Seattle fan and one was a San Francisco fan. And there was a game going on in San Francisco and they wanted to go together. And we made that happen. And it was just, just awesome. But then we got a thank you note from them that when I read it at our board meeting, there wasn't a dry eye in the place and we all knew why we're doing the work we're doing. So that was pretty special too. My goodness, thank you for sharing that. I don't know if you watch NBC Nightly News, but they talk about the goings on in the nation and the world. And at the last three, four minutes of the show, they talk about something special like, this guy's 99 years old and every day he walks outside and waves at the school children walking by or, 
this guy took off his shoes and gave it to this guy because he needed it. And it's like, thank you. I needed this so much. So I feel like your talk today is like putting that kind of goodness out into the world and people listening are really going to appreciate hearing from you. Well, that's from you, girlfriend, from, from doing this, you know, and thinking this project up and tapping into people who, you know, you want to talk to and want to share the stories and stuff. So thank you for doing it. And, you know, again, I would just say there's so much more good and so much more kind in the world than there is, you know, the negative stuff. And your podcast is, is showing that, that you want to highlight that and, you know, this is just little, this is just a little community. There's, you know, uh, throughout the world, there are people like you and us trying to do some good stuff in the world. One of our favorite things about Dream Makers is we say we're just a bunch of good friends trying to do good things in the world and <laughs> magnify that by how many do we have now? Seven billion people in the world or whatever. Magnify that by billions. And again, that energy and that kindness is what keeps us on this planet and keeps us moving in the right direction. And we're going to be okay because of that. <laughs> I feel like most people listening to us are going to be doing this in iTunes and listening in their headphones, but I'm pumping my fist in the air. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love your spirit. Thank you so much. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted me to that was on your heart to speak about today? No, I just feel so lucky to be on your program. And like I said, I just want to give a shout out to you for thinking of it and highlighting it and giving people a chance to talk about kindness and, and having it be a topic to talk about. And I think, you know, if you let this evolve and continue to let it grow, you might be the person that does the kindness curriculum. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm so passionate about it. Yeah, because think about all the stuff that goes on in schools. There's death curriculums and there's, you know, um, um, mental toughness curriculum and there's grit curriculum. How about a kindness curriculum? I think it's you. I think you better. <laughs> Thank you. I will wrap things up by saying that I dream makers came onto my radar because I was shopping at the lovely and amazing ambiance shop downtown slow and you had clothing items. And yeah. every time I put on my dream makers hoodie, I think about you guys and um, I want to let listeners know that they can shop your goods they can donate they can follow and support you on social media dream makers and i will put links in my show notes that's so awesome and also ambiance she's on our board <laughs> uh, ken in january who owns ambiance so she's been a real instrumental and also claire i do want to say that october 14th we're doing our first annual downtown dream day so we have about 30 businesses that have signed on and a percentage of their profits that day go to making dreams come true for terminally ill adults in our community. And we have Delta Sigma um, from Cal Poly. With, you'll see them downtown with big red dream team shirts on and they're going to help people find the businesses that are um, supporting us. And we're hoping to make it an annual event and it should be a lot of fun. So that's October 14th, which is a holiday. So go downtown and help make dreams come true. Who came up with that idea? Was it you or a collection of your, oh my goodness, 
This is so exciting. I talked to Steve from Woods Humane Society and his huge Wine for Paws event was some person had a little idea and he said, go do it. And everyone in the wine community was like, yes, let's do it. So I'm thrilled. I'm yeah. thrilled. I'm, I'm super excited. Well, it's like you, it's like your program. It starts, you know, with a little, I mean, I, this is, like I said, our first annual and my board was all behind it because my first idea was we would go downtown dressed like fairy godmothers and just go into businesses and ask for money. And they're going, no, <laughs> you can go do that, Rhonda, but we're not going to do that. That's too corny. So <laughs> um, I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking. And then, you know, I hit them with this idea and they're like, love it. Let's do it. So they went out and canvassed and got all the businesses and they, they are making it happen. But, you know, it starts with a little idea. So like I said, kindness podcast starts and then it blows and pretty soon you're going to have a kindness you know cable television show and then a kindness curriculum and it'll all be claire kindness doing it thank I you for being it. so good to me i can see it i i can see it happening i appreciate you so much um i look forward to following you and your career and um, I should mention in this podcast that you're not just doing dream makers and making dreams in San Luis Obispo come true, but you're also an author in addition to being a mom, a wife, a teacher. So I'll put a link to your books on Amazon. Well, that's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> so much amazingness for one talk. <laughs> oh, well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And, and thanks so much for letting me talk about Dream Makers. Pleasure is mine. Thanks so much. Okay, bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode with my new friend Rhonda. Please head over to my website. It's clairekindness.com and sign up for the newsletter. I'm working really hard right now to bring you guys ways to be good to yourself, your family, and your community, and our brothers and sisters around the world as we struggle to cope through this crazy pandemic. And um, there's so much good in the world. And I'm loving seeing all of it, and I want to bring it to your inbox. So, clairekindness.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll talk to you guys at the next podcast. Bye.